Walk It Out. Well, we are in part three of our Walk It Out series. And I'm excited um, about what we're going to talk about today because today we're going to talk, talk about walking it out in the area of stewardship. All right, let's pray and then uh, uh, let's dig into the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. God, this is the day that you have made. And so we make a conscious decision to rejoice and to be glad. Thank you, Father, for this opportunity to hear from you. We are here to hear from you, God. We've come together to rejoice, to honor, and to hear from you. God, open our ears so that we can hear. Open our hearts so that we can receive. God, we lay aside everything uh, that's outside of this moment. We lay aside what happened on the way here, what happened last week, and what's to come this week. And we focus wholly on you. I ask that you would speak, Lord. Speak through my vocal cords, think through my mind, God. You know the needs of your people. Let us not hear just what's spoken. Let's hear what you're saying to us individually, God. Challenge us today. Change our minds today, God. Change our hearts today so that we can go out and change this world. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, today we're talking about stewardship and what stewardship means. What does it mean to be a steward? So I know that this subject is a little bit touchy, so I've already prepped my amen corner. So if y'all want to try to be quiet on me today, it's fine. I'm going to still keep going. I'm good, okay? As mankind on this earth, we're given a job. As believers, as Christians, we're given a job. That job is the job of a steward. We're placed on this earth, in this time, and in this season to operate as good stewards, Webster's Dictionary defines a steward as a person employed to manage another's property, large house, or estate, okay? A person employed to manage another's property, large house, or estate. Stewardship. Stewardship is defined as managing, protecting, and expanding the assets of another. So what is biblical, what is a biblical steward operating in biblical stewardship? That is a believer who is responsible to manage, not own, but manage, protect, and expand what has been entrusted to them by God to oversee on his behalf. We are called to protect and expand what God has entrusted us with. Genesis 1, let's start there. Um, if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Genesis. If you don't, I have it up on the screen. Um, if you just got a Bible, Genesis is the first book, so it's a, it's a slow turn, okay? Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. God said, let us... Us is referring to the Trinity here. Let us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, make mankind in our image after our likeness and let him have complete authority over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, 
the tame beast over all of the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image and likeness of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply, okay? And fill the earth and subdue it, meaning use all of its resources in the services of God and man and have dominion. Somebody say dominion. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves upon the earth. Here is uh, uh, the, the story of creation, and it shows here God created us to steward, to manage, to take care of that which God has entrusted us with. He says, I want you to, 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 to have dominion, okay? That means I want you to take care of it. I want you to, to be fruitful, right? I want you to multiply and fill the earth. When we operate in order, when we operate as stewards in our, our assigned role, we are blessed. The kingdom of God gets expanded and God gets the glory, we have to operate in the role that God has assigned to us. Our role as stewards. We are stewards. We're not lords. We're not owners. We don't own anything. Anything that we have, we have been given it by the owner. Anything that we have. Think about something that you have. Yep, not yours. Think about something else. Still not yours. Anything that you have, you've been given to it by the owner. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 26. First Corinthians 10, uh, 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 verse 26. For the whole earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Real simple. That was an easy one. That was it. hard. You don't got to interpret that. You don't got to break that down. That's simple. The whole earth is the Lord's and everything that's in it. Psalms 24, uh, chapter 1 says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness of it, the world and they who dwell in it. Again, pretty simple, straightforward. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 19, because some will say, well, no, I'm, I'm my own person. I, I, I take care of me. I'm responsible for me. Nobody owns me. I, I can do what I, okay, cool. First Corinthians chapter six, verse 19. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you, whom you received as a gift from God? And that you are not your own property. Very simple, very plain. You are not your own property. You were bought with a price. You were actually purchased with the precious blood of Jesus and made his own. Nothing that you have, including you, is not yours. It belongs to God. God is the owner. And when we view our life as stewards, 
when we, when we view our life as stewards, we view everything that we have differently. We view it differently. I don't know how some of you may drive. I've seen some of you, unfortunately, but you know, some of you, you, you know, you may drive how you want to drive. You may drive to the tires, get ball. You may not put no gas in the car. You may uh, 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 never change the oil. And, and you, but when you get a rental car, You drive a little different when you get a rental car. You make sure that, you know, that you don't get too close to nobody. You, you, you drive a, a, a carefully. You make sure there's gas in the car. You, you make sure it's clean when you return it. Why? Because you don't own it. You understand that you don't own it. When you house sit. And you go to somebody else's house and say, hey, I'm going out of town for the weekend. Would you mind, you know, staying in my house, watching my house for a week, weekend, whatever it is. You don't go in their house and just start moving furniture around and, and changing the paint and the color and, 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 and just cooking it up and inviting people over. Why? Because you don't own it. And so the way you view it, the way you take care of it, the way you operate in it is different because you understand that you don't own it. We're not owners. We are stewards. God is the owner. And so stewardship starts with this question right here. Does what I have belong to me or does it belong to God? Does it belong to me or does it belong to God? That's where stewardship starts. Asking yourself that question. See, God has given each one of us a measure to steward. Each one of us. God says, here's your family, steward it. Here's your job, steward it. Here's your calling, steward it. And at the end, when it's all said and done, the question will be, how well did you steward what I entrusted you with? How well did you steward the family that I gave you? How well did you steward the children that I gave you? How well did you steward the finances that I gave you? How well did you steward the job that I gave you? How well did you steward the time that I gave you? When it's all said and done, the question will be, how well did you steward it? Will it be, well done, my good and faithful servant? Or will it be, Depart from me, you worker of iniquity, I never knew you. Because it will be one or the other. You decide. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start at verse 14. It's a story that we all know. Uh, uh, the parable of the talent. Matthew chapter 25, I'm going to start at verse 14. And I'm going to try to read through it. Uh, Verse 14 says, for it's just like a man who was about to take a journey. And he called the servants together and trusted them with his possession. He gave one five talents, another two, another one, each according to his own ability. It's important. And then he went on his journey. The one who had received five talents went at, went at once and traded with them, and he made a profit and gained five more. The, the one who had two made a profit and gained two more. But the one who had one received the one, went, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Now, after a long time, 
The master of those servants returned and settled the accounts. And one who had received five came and brought him five more, saying, Master, you entrusted me with five. I have made a profit and gained five more talents. His master says, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of many. Share in the joy of your master. Verse 22. And the one who had two talents said the same. You entrusted me with two. See, I've made a profit and gained two more. His master said, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful, okay, and trustworthy over a little. I will put you in charge of many Share in the joy of your master. The one who had one also came forward, came forward with the same energy too. Master, I knew you to be a harsh and demanding man, reaping the harvest where you did not sow, rude, and gathering where you did not scatter, also rude. So I was afraid to lose the talent. So I hid it in the ground. See, what you have is your own. But his master answered him, you wicked, lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I did not sow and gather where I did not scatter. Then you should have put my money with the bankers at my return. I would have received my money back with interest. So take the talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10. For everyone who has and values his blessings and gifts from God and has used them wisely, more will be given. And he will be richly supplied so that he will have an abundance. But from the one who does not have, because he has ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts, even what he does have will be taken away. Jesus is saying this is how the kingdom operates. This is how the kingdom operates. Verse 29 says, even what he does have will be taken away. He's telling us that there are consequences when we don't correctly steward what God has given us. When you don't take care of it, there are consequences. So what has he given us? Today, I want to cover three things that most all categories of things that we have fall under. Time, talent, and treasure. Let's start with time. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Today is a Bible day. We're we going to get in this book today. Okay, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, I'm going to start at verse 15. Verse 15 says, Therefore... See that you walk carefully, live life with honor, with purpose, with courage, shunning those who tolerate and enable evil, not as the unwise, but as wise, sensible, intelligent, discerning people. Verse 16 right here, making the most of your time. Making the most of your time here on earth. Making the most of your time recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity and using it with wisdom and diligence. Because the days are filled with evil. Therefore, do not be foolish and thoughtless, but understand and firmly grasp what is the will of the Lord firmly grasp what the will of the Lord is. Paul says when it comes to our time, we ought to make the most of it. 
AKA, we are to be good stewards of our time. Walking in honor, walking in purpose, walking in line with the scripture, recognizing and taking advantage of each opportunity that God has given you with wisdom and diligence. Recognizing and understanding, taking an evaluation of our time and seeing what is it that God would have me to do with it. What would God have me to do in this situation? What would God have me to do with this job? What would God have me to do with this, this time, this, this thing? Recognizing and then taking advantage of the opportunity that God has given us. It's our responsibility to be good stewards of our time. Nobody else's responsibility but us. It's our responsibility, especially in today's society, because everything is vying for our time. Everything is vying for our time. Paul says, don't be foolish, don't be thoughtless, but firmly grasp or make your main focus the will of God. When it comes to your time, the main focus of your time, when you're deciding, what is it that I should do? It should all go through the, the lens of what is the will of God. According to the will of God. Why? Because the days are becoming more and more anti-Christ. The days are becoming more and more anti-Christ. What does that mean? That means every day, there will be more and more opportunities for you to be distracted. There will be more and more opportunities for you to be pulled away from what God wants you to do and be pulled into and engulfed into what you want to do. Every day there will be an opportunity for you to make a decision. Is it going to be my will or is it going to be God's will? Am I going to respond as, as God would want me to? Or am I, am I going to keep doing my own thing? Am I going to keep walking my own way? We must be aware of the fight for the attention of our time. We have to be aware. It's this, this thing about urgent versus important. Urgent is the thing, excuse me, uh, important is the things that God has given us to do. Urgent describes those things that, that pull your time, that pull your energy, that pull your resources away from what's important. I think uh, 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 Apple has been very good at urgent. When you open your phone, there's all these notifications going on and, and we hate when a notification is on our phone. It doesn't matter what's going on. When you see you're talking to somebody and your phone vibrates, or you get a notification instantly, you like grabbing your phone. You're going to check your phone off. You hear it, you're going to, it doesn't matter what's going on. Somebody could be giving you, the, pouring their life out to you. And as soon as you hear that notification, you become sidetracked. But it's not important, but they want you to think that it's urgent. I take my car to Big O. Um, 
here in Woodland is a, a, a friend of mine is one of, one of the owners, and uh, he's a believer, and he's a pastor uh, uh, here in Woodland. And every time I take my, my truck to him, which unfortunately is more than it should, I, I take it in there, and he always gives me, he gives me this list of things. And he gives me this list of things. I'm like, okay, all right. And he's like, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. I say, okay. And he says, but this is what's important. All of these things are urgent, but this right here, this is the thing that you need to take care of now because this is important. We have to evaluate everything that's taking our time. Every single moment, every single thing, evaluate it and assess whether it is important or it is urgent. Your family, your kids, your, your spouse, uh, the will of God for your life, the purpose that God has for your life, the relationships that you've been blessed with, these are all examples of things that are important. Things that are important. Your career path, sports, how much money you make, what's going on in the news, the cares of this world, these are examples of things that you may deem as urgent. Here's the problem. When we focus on what's urgent, what's important gets neglected. When we focus on what's urgent, what's important gets neglected. We must make sure that what's important gets the time that it deserves. And what's urgent just gets what's left over. Any imbalance in that area will see the same result as the foolish steward. Ephesians 5 verse 29, but for the one who does not have because he ignored or disregarded his blessings and gifts from God because he ignored or disregarded what was important, even what he does have will be taken away. Your time, your time, your time, what's important, what's urgent. We have to be good stewards of our time. Now, please understand, everyone's life is unique and it requires discernment uh, uh, for what examples apply and how they apply. But please do not hear this and ignore it because you don't think it's for you. Because those examples didn't line up with you. Hear the principle and understand that this applies to everyone. This applies to every single person under the sound of my voice. We must assess our time. Um... I remember uh, I told this story, and I'm going to try to be very quick. <clears throat> uh, my father-in-law and I, we did a funeral uh, last year or, or two years ago. And we went and we did this funeral. And <clears throat> uh, as we did the ceremony, I believe it was maybe a family friend or someone who asked us to, to perform the funeral. And as we did it, it came the time for uh, someone to come up and, and talk about the person who had passed. And, and you know give your, your regrets and tell stories about their life. And as I, I made the call for people to come up, people just sat there. And they sat there for a minute, no one moved. And, and finally the daughter gets up and, and as she gets up, she begins to talk about her father who had passed. And she says, well, my dad was a hardworking man. He worked here, 
and then he retired. He, he worked here. And then even when he retired again, he, he worked at another place. And although he was a hard man, we, you know, we know he loved us. And she sat down. And I thought, this was an elderly man. He had lived a, a, a good portion of his life. And no one had anything to say except for the fact that he worked and he retired and he worked and he retired. And I just think, what if he would have stewarded his time better? What was the impact that his life could have made if he stewarded his time better? I got to keep moving. Second is treasure. Treasure. I know we hate to talk about this in church, but it's okay. Like I said, the amen corner is here. You can be uncomfortable. We'll be good. Our money, our, our material possessions, our treasures are also not ours. It's not yours. It's not yours. They are gifts from God that we have been given to steward. It's God who gives us the ability to get the job. It's God who gives us the wisdom to, and the favor to start and run the business. It's God who gives us the insight to make the business decision. It's God who, and some of you know this more than others, God brought you through school. It wasn't you. You know it wasn't you. It's God who gives us these things. Jesus uh, 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 referenced money more than he did heaven and hell in the Bible. 11 of the 29 parables he tells references finances. Why? Because we understand money. You want to have a conversation? You want to talk money? We can understand that. God, we, we, we are just the conduits that God uses to receive his blessings. But he talks about it because our money, our treasure is a big deal to us. And he knew that. He knew that it was important. He knew that it was important that we have right relationship and stewardship when it comes to our treasure. We have to have right relationship. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Luke chapter 12, verse 16. Then he told them a parable saying, there was a rich man whose land was very fertile and productive. And he began to think to himself, what shall I do since I don't have a place large enough to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I'll do. You know, I'll tear down my storehouses. I'll build larger ones and I will store all of my grain and goods there. And I will say to my soul, so you have many good things stored up. Boy, you did it. You did that, didn't you? You did that. You, you, you made it happen. You have many good things stored up. Enough for many years. Rest and relax. Eat, drink, be merry, and celebrate continually. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is required of you. And now who will own all the things that you have prepared? Who going to get it now? You done stored it up. You done been happy and proud of yourself. Now what? Bye. Now you out of here. 
Verse 21, so it is for the one who continues to store up and hoard possessions for himself and is not rich in his relationship towards God. Am I saying that it's wrong for you to be wealthy? Not at all. Please go out and get it. That's why God gave you the ability. But when there's an improper relationship, when there's an imbalance, when you're so busy trying to go out and get it and you're so busy trying to fill up that bank account that you have an improper relationship with it and, and you have what? Not rich in your relationship towards God, then there's a problem. Then there's a problem. Jesus is saying we have to have right relationship of our treasure. God has a plan for our treasure. And oftentimes, most times, when we are in excess, right, there is a reason that we're in excess. It's not for us. He didn't give it for us. It's so that we can be used to help someone else in need. Y'all don't want to hear me. God says, I'm going to take care of you. Right? I'm going to take care of what you need. I'm going to take care of your needs, your bills, your house, your kids. I'm going to take, so if I've given you excess, I've already said that I'm going to take care of you. This excess is because I want to use you to bless somebody else. But we have to be faithful with what he's given us. He can't use us to bless somebody else if we're not going to be faithful with what he's already given us. You faithful with the little then I will make you ruler of many. We have to have a right relationship and a right stewardship of our treasure. And if we're not careful to master our heart concerning our finances, then our finances become a worthless master that we serve. They become a worthless master that we serve. Because I assure you, if you're putting your trust in your money, you will fail. It will fail you. Talk to anyone who put their trust in their money before the pandemic hit. Everybody was shaking. Everybody. But there's something different when you know where your money came from. Because that didn't move. That didn't change. The pandemic didn't change God's faithfulness. The pandemic didn't change God's presentation. It, it, it didn't change him. He said, I'm going to be the same. I'm still going to take care of you. I'm still going to make sure you have what you need. Yes, you might have to make some adjustments, but you're still my child. You're still in my hand. I will still take care of you. But guess what? You, when you put your trust in your money, none of that applies. The parable of the wealthy fool shows us Jesus teaching in parable form about stewarding our treasures. But Jesus talks very plainly and clearly about it as well. Matthew chapter 6 verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. Why? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is challenging our heart again. Jesus, just like I said last week, Jesus desires hearts. 
And he addresses why this is important down in verse 24. Matthew 6, 24, he says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. You can't serve God and money. He said, only one God is allowed to sit on the throne of your life. Only one is allowed to sit there. Who will it be? Who will it be? He gives us instructions about tithing. We, we know these scriptures, Malachi 3, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there might be food in my house. He gives us uh, instructions about offering in Luke 6. Give and it will be given unto Press down, shaking together, and running over. He talks about giving to those in needs in Proverbs 28. He says, those who give to the poor will lack nothing. But none of these instructions mean anything if we haven't been proper stewards of our heart concerning our treasure. We complain about giving because the heart isn't right. We complain about tithing and go back and forth about tithing and I don't want to tithe and I tithe and I don't tithe all the time. What does the word say about tithing? We go back and forth about tithing because our heart isn't right. We don't give offering. We don't help others in need. We don't, we don't go out. Why? Because there's a heart issue that has taken place. No one can serve two masters. Either you will love one or you will hate the other. You will be devoted to one or you will despise the other. We will never be expected to steward more than we have the capacity for. But we will never be trusted to steward more until we've proven that we can steward what we've been given. We'll never be trusted until we can first prove that we can take care of what we've been given. We must become good stewards of our treasure. And it starts by having an understanding. Understanding of what? That it's not ours to begin with. That God will take care of us. And having a right relationship. This is a tool and nothing more. I don't trust in it. I trust in the God that provided it. We have to have a right understanding and a right relationship when it comes to our treasure. And lastly, our talent. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11. <clears throat> Just as each one of you has received a special gift, a spiritual talent, an ability graciously given by God, employ it in serving one another as it is appropriate for good stewards, hmm, that's what we're talking about, good stewards of God's multifaceted grace, faithfully, okay, faithfully using the diverse gifts and abilities granted to Christians by God's unmerited favor. Verse 11 says, whoever speaks to the congregation is to do so as one who speaks to oracles, the utterances, the very words of God. Whoever serves the congregation is to do so as one who serves by the strength of God who abundantly supplies so that in all things 
God may be glorified in all things that God would be honored, in all things that God would be magnified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Each one of us. Peter is saying each one of us has an ability that has been graciously given to us by God. It is up to us to identify what that grace gift is and faithfully use it. See, that's the problem. Sometimes we we have it and then we use it a little bit and then we don't want to use it no more. And we say, no, I used it this one time and then we don't want to use it no more. Or I'm just going to sit down and I'm, I'm just, I'm just going to. He says, each one of us has been given a gift, a grace gift. And that gift's main purpose is not so that we can become rich. It's not so that we can be talked about and praised and people can say how good you are and how wonderful you are so that you can make a name for yourself. We have been given a talent We have been given a gift so that we can serve one another. And so that in all things that we do with that gift, God would be glorified. If we're going to be good stewards, we can't sit on our gift. We cannot sit on our gift. The time for excuses are done and over. Your gift is unique to you. It's been given to you to express it in a way only you can. Some of you here today know what your talent is. And for some reason, you refuse to use it. Fear, whatever it is, you refuse to use that gift that God has given you. Please understand the body of Christ needs that gift. This church needs that gift. This generation needs your gift. Breakthrough for someone is available just by you using your gift. Freedom is available to someone just by you using your gift. Someone will encounter the very love and the very presence of God simply because you decided to use your gift. If you don't know what your gift is, then then I pray that God would reveal it to you. You pray that God will reveal it to you. Talk to a leader. Talk to someone more mature in the faith. Talk to me. I, I don't care who it is. Talk to somebody so that we can walk you through finding what that gift is. Understanding what that gift is and stewarding it in a way that God gets the glory stewarding it in a way that God gets the glory. What does it look like not to be a good steward in this area? What does it look like? Well, it's simple. Take that gift that God has given you and use it for your glory. Take that talent that God has given you and use it for you. He's giving you an ability. He says we're to use it for his glory. We get messed up when we think that we got the gift. 
Oh, yeah, I got this ability. I, 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 I got this, and, 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 and this is something that God gave me, and I'm going to use this talent, and I'm going to use this gift, and I'm going I'm to I'm get famous. I'm going I'm to get the money. I'm a, people are going to talk about me, and people are going to praise me. That's not being a good steward. God has told us to be good stewards when it comes to our, our talents. The main reason that some of us have a hard time in these areas is because we struggle with the two enemies of stewardship, selfishness and greed. Selfishness and greed. Selfishness says, I need it all and I can't share it with anyone else. Greed says, I don't appreciate what I have, so I want something else. And unfortunately, we forfeit the opportunities in our life that God wants to use us when we operate in greed and in selfishness. We forfeit it. God says, I have someone that I want to bless it. And the angel says, oh, oh, what about this? He's like, nah, I can't use them. Greed. Selfishness. Oh, God, you know, we need someone. We need someone to use this gift right here. Oh, yeah, well, this person has that gift. Nope. Can't use him. I would love to use them. I gave them a gift that could set this person free, but they're operating in selfishness. They're thinking about how they feel. They're thinking about how they uh, will be perceived. They're thinking about what people are going to say about them. They're thinking about themselves. Selfishness and greed. But being a good steward is the exact opposite. Being a good steward is the exact opposite. The heart of the good steward is one of contentment and gratitude. It says, I'm grateful for all that I have. I know I don't own it. And I'm content with all that I've been given. So it's not a problem for me to give. It's not a problem for me to give of my talent because I understand where it came from. It's not a problem for me to give of my resources because I know where it came from. It's not a problem for me to give of my time because I know who holds time. It's not a problem because I am grateful and I am content. When we change the way we view ourselves, the way we view what we have changes. When we change the way we view ourselves, the way we view what we have changes. The reason that we don't see God's full expression in our life is because we've tried to own that which we do not have ownership of. And it's caused us to be in wrong relationship. And as a result, we've tried to operate in an authority that we do not have. We are not owners. We are stewards. And if we want the full expression of God working in our life, we must give up this thought of ownership. We got to give it up. We have to give up this, this idea of ownership and walk in our role as stewards. Because through our stewardship, we reflect God's image we reflect God's care towards all of creation and we fulfill our role as caretakers and stewards of God's multifaceted grace. 
We will never be expected to steward more than we have the capacity for. But we'll never be trusted to steward more until we've proven that we can be good stewards of what we've been given. Amen? Amen. God has called us to be good stewards of our time, of our talent, of our treasure. Each moment, each second is so important. It's so important. Evaluate your time. Evaluate your treasure. Evaluate, find out, walk in the talent that God has given you. Don't worry about what somebody got to say about you. Don't worry about somebody bringing up your past. Don't worry about somebody, uh, oh, you shouldn't do that. What right do you have? I, I'm a child of God. That's the right that I have. Walk in what God has given you and be a good steward. Here's the thing. When you are a good steward, God is going to reward you. You don't got to worry about it because God will take care of you. Rest in that. Greed and selfishness, it comes from this, this fear that God is not going to do what he said he's going to do. So now I need to take control of it. So now I need to grasp it. So now I need to have it and keep it in my hands and hoard it because I don't trust God. God will take care of you. But you must be a good steward. As we prepare to worship today, I really want you to just take a second and think about, let, let the Holy Spirit begin to speak to you about your time. Let him begin to speak to you about your gift. Let him begin to, to speak to you about your resources, your, your treasure, your finances. And let's take a second and say, God, your will be done. Your will be done. Because guess what, God? I've tried it on my own and I failed time and time again. I tried to keep it all. And it seems like as soon as I keep it all, it just goes away. So, God, I'm tired of doing it myself. I'm going to give it back to you because it's yours in the first place. Let's stand. Heavenly Father, we just thank you.